everybody, Kirk here, and you are listening to the Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church, for the church. As I said, my name is Kirk Miller, and I am here with Dan Allen. Hey! Who is a goat? <laughs> and uh, we I was are... trying to be something else. Oh, what were you trying to be? I don't know. It really sounds like you had something in mind. Well, it, it just came out different than I intended, and then I realized that that sounded like a goat. Okay, were you trying to be like a Wookiee or something? <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyways, we're we're back from from our break over kind of the Christmas time period. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. It has been a while. Um, we Since last time we had something published, I think... It was a week of Christmas is when it mm. released. And we've moved, our church has moved to Alverno, a new location. So a lot has happened. We're still in the midst of that. Things are busy. Um, so we took a little bit of a break for Christmas, but we're back at it. And we are starting a new series today about Bible translations. It's about Bible translations. And in some ways, you, I guess you could kind of put this under, um, the category of Bible study because yeah. Bible yeah. translations, when we think about different tools that we have for, for Bible study, Oftentimes we might think of, mm-hmm. you know, might have a book that you might mm-hmm. read alongside it, or you might have a pen, a pen. yeah, or a journal, mm-hmm. or chair, a chair. Okay, very literal tools, like or like re- like like a, like book tools. I'm thinking more uh, like, got like, it. like okay. concordances yeah. or yeah, yeah. Um, study bibles or whatever, whatever. Um, but one of the tools that oftentimes can go on, um, overlooked is the actual Bible you're using, mm-hmm. like the translation that you have. That's not. That's not how it was. That's not their language in which it was originally written. Right. And your translation is actually a tool for Bible study. Um, so why yeah. do we, Dan? Why don't you help us out here? What What, what are some of the goals that we have in yeah. even discussing something like yeah, this? Yeah, which I think is worth talking about because it's it's like I think this is actually can be a really helpful thing to think through. Uh, for one, I think even just I think it can really uh, um, increase our appreciation the fact that we have. God's word in our language and the many hours that have been spent to get us translations that are solid mm-hmm. and, and generations I, of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it can just really increase your appreciation for the men and women who have gone before us and spent their lives really just pouring over, making sure that we have something accurate communicating what God's word actually says. I mean, that's a, it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So that would, that'd be definitely one of, one of my goals. Anytime I talk about this, that it would increase our appreciation for the men and women that have done it. And that we have God's word before us that, that we can trust. Um, I also find, you know, I've been in conversations with people uh, in the past where they just really think one Bible translation is the best one. And they're really harsh and dogmatic about it. And one, we I think we want to kind of calm that a little bit, but also give people enough material to know how to interact if they find them, I mean, at, at that point, it might be best to just not go into that conversation if that person not really want to dialogue. But hopefully can, we can give the, you know people enough that they can actually have those dialogues with people to understand the complexities of the translations and, and why maybe just assuming one translation is the best. Yeah, to have a little bit more of an informed yeah. take on yep. how to interact with that viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think just... Also, increase one of the goals would be to increase appreciation for each of the different types of translations or either translations we have. So you can, you know, one for one, learn how to choose a Bible translation for the particular use goal that you have. Yeah, use yeah. that you have. Um, but then just like learn to appreciate the different ones. Because I, I th- as much as I know you, I think we both say like 
no, I really like that Bible translation, especially for this purpose. And I like this one for that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of even makes it enjoyable to read it. And yeah, uh, I, I know years ago before I really learned more about Bible translation, you just kind of, you pick your team and you kind of think, uh, this is the best, that this is the best. And then like, Oh, you use that translation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, you know, you don't really know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of those goals? I think those are good goals. Yeah. It's helpful. I think it's helpful to, um, become informed of the different translations, as you said, so we know like what, what they're doing, like what some of the differences are. Cause sometimes too, like I think folks can find it troubling that there are a lot of different translations. Yeah. Like why are there so many different Bibles? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the idea. Um, not different versions of the Bible, but it can be almost like, like almost like it feels like there's different Bibles right. or like they're all saying yeah, different yeah. things. And it, it can feel to some people, if you're not aware of like why that is, it can feel problematic. And so understanding the reasons why, but then also when you understand how different translations, um, what, what brings about some of those different translations mm-hmm. and why they're different, then you know how to use them in your own study. Like yeah. you can actually, it's not just helping you sort out which what the translations are, but it actually can be something then you can utilize in your study mm-hmm. if you use more than one translation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And one other thought I had would be um, just confidence in in those translations as well. Yeah. Especially when you're learning, um, you know, if you're looking at a translation and then you see another one that translates this verse this way, that can a little bit what you're like saying it can feel saying. unsettling. Yeah. But to be able to kind of understand the philosophy of the of the um, translators can help you under, just have a better confidence like oh they're trying to they're doing made this decision perhaps because they have this philosophy of this how is kind of their method for yeah. yeah so hopefully we can accomplish that yeah so before we get into some of the other notes though i should say that i recently got a new coffee mug and it's it's like really nice it keeps the coffee really hot but when you flip the lid what happens is you can see there's a little condensation there yeah and incidentally that is like right when i sip Goes, I've been wondering why you have a wet spot on yes, your nose. Yes, on my nose, I know. I, I didn't want to say anything in case it was like some sort of something yeah. embarrassing or something. But I've been noticing this wet spot on yeah. your nose regularly. And I'm like, oh, So if you need to that? tell me I got a wet spot I'm on like, my nose. Are you sweaty Feel free or to. Like, <laughs> Feel okay. free to. And uh, that way listeners will also know why you keep telling me I got a wet spot on my nose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep that in mind for any future episodes where I call out a wet spot on dance notes. All right. Well, we did have a few uh, kind of preliminary remarks uh, on Bible translation before we kind of get into some other stuff, yeah? Yep. Go ahead. All right. Uh, So I have two just thoughts that we can maybe dialogue a little bit about. Um, First, might be a misconception, I don't know, but we should at least recognize that Bible translation has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I mean, William Tyndale uh, or John Wycliffe uh, was the first to bring an English translation, but he was translating from the Latin. Because there uh, was a Latin translation. Yes, called the Vulgate. Called the Vulgate. And so he was translating from that. That's what he had access to, presumably. Yes, and that would have been in the 1300s. I don't know the exact year off the top of my head. And then um, in the 1500s, we had uh, William Tyndale go uh, back to the Greek mm-hmm. and do the whole New Testament um, into the English and then portions of the Old Testament yeah. from the Hebrew. So the fir- he would have been the first translation from the original languages yes. rather than a translation on a translation. Yes, that's yeah. correct. So 
even just the English translations have been around for hundreds of years here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if you go even back far, farther, like the Vulgate, I don't, I don't know when that, that was in the... That was like pretty early on, I know. or 500 um, or something like cause, that? Because uh, I think Jerome is the guy who is responsible okay. for that, yeah. if I remember correctly. And he uh, was in the early church. Yeah. So, and then even before that, even, even before the Lord Jesus uh, walked the earth, um, there was a Bible translation. So, yeah, yeah. we have uh, the Septuagint. Uh, which was around 200 BC. Latin Vulgate, a late fourth century translation. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, continue. So yeah, we, we have the Septuagint, the Septuagint uh, somewhere around 200 BC, which is a Greek translation of the old, the the Hebrew Old Testament. Whoop. <laughs> the Hebrew Old Testament. Yeah. So this this is just to point out this has been a practice that God's people have practiced for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is taking the original text, the original language, not the actual text, but the yeah. original language and translating it into the, the receptor language. So yeah. you kind of have two languages going on. You have the original language, which the authors used. Yep. So what, what when Paul wrote, yep. he originally wrote in Koine Greek, that's yep. the original language, or yep. or Hebrew or Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And then you have a receptor language, those who are now going to receive the translation. The translation. Yeah. And so it's getting received on. into a new, new language. And that could be any language that exists and yep. any future language that develops yeah. a past language. Yeah. yeah. The other thing too is it's not just that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just that the Septuagint exists. The Septuagint would have been, like you said, the Greek translation of the old the Hebrew mm-hmm. Testament. It's not merely that there was a translation out there that existed. Um, we also have like the Targum, right? Yep. And then like, Which so is there's the Aramaic. A, yeah. So you have these other, and there, I know there's like a, I believe there's like a, a Syriac translation and there's okay. other yeah. translations of, of the Old Testament um, that are out that we have available, at least parts of. But anyways, with the Septuagint, it's not just that it was out there and that we know translations existed. But in some ways, we actually get a stamp of approval from the Bible itself right. yeah. because the Bible actually will quote the Septuagint. Right. Yeah. So in the New Testament, I think more often than not, the New Testament authors, when they quote from the Old Testament, it is often, if not typically, from the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. And so that was a translation they were using. And by the Bible using that translation, in some ways, we can see that as the Bible actually saying translations are mm-hmm. a, a, an acceptable thing. Yeah. So like this is different than, mm-hmm. for example, in Islam, yeah. where technically, if you yeah, were to translate... This is, this is a really important point. Yeah, right? if you were to translate the Quran, so like I have a Quran on my bookshelf over there... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously an English uh, translation. Now, technically, I think according to Islamic scholarship mm-hmm. and theology, mm-hmm. that's not they would not view that as the Quran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is by being a translation, it no longer is the Quran. It mm-hmm. has to be in the original mm-hmm. language. Whereas in Christianity, there's a fundamental difference. Like yeah, Christianity right. is a very contextualized, yeah. missional religion that sees the gospel going out to people of different cultures and different settings mm-hmm. and adapting to those settings. And part of that is the adaptation of actually putting the message into their very yeah. language. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's fundamental to Christianity is getting getting the Bible into the language. And it's not adulterated by that process. Mm-hmm. Of course, it can errors can occur, but Christians wouldn't say that somehow this English Bible I have right in front of me is no longer God's word. Right. We say that it is God's word and it is just as equally mm-hmm. inspired and inerrant in as much as it corresponds to the original um, yeah. writing that was that was put together. Yeah. Um, and so this is we very much we, we, we see our translations as also having that authority in as much as they correspond to yeah. the original. Yeah, uh, I, that's an excellent point. Very, very important to consider. Um, 
And I, there's also, you know, when we think now where we're at in the history of the church, I mean, how many, how many languages now have the word of God in, I, I, I don't know, but yeah. And then to think of the fact, I mean, there's thousands, right. but then to think of the fact that there's still thousands yet to be done. Right. Yeah. Um, is, is quite an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, they put stats. Out. I know of a buddy that works for one of those translation committees yeah. and he's overseas um, trying to get translations out of other languages. I know he just posted something on Facebook where they put out stats like every year of how many languages yeah. are left, how many languages there are. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, you can find that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what you'd have to Google, but it's yeah. out there. It's great, great work. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, uh, did you have anything else on that? Just kind of preliminary for No, I think, right. I think that's good. All right. And then a, a second one is, is just worth recognizing that, that the work of a Bible translators is really quite complex. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we, um, until we kind of really grasp that we should really hold back any kind of criticism towards tr- a translation. Uh, I mean, we might look at a translation or the way some translators translated a verse and mm-hmm. we might say, well, we don't think that's right, mm-hmm. but we should at least understand the complexities that they're dealing with. It's, yeah. It is not easy work. Yeah. So for, it's not I mean, like they're just a bunch of dummies or yeah. people who have like some ulterior motive and are trying to put together something like that's really misleading. Yes. It may just be that there's honest disagreement and there, there, there's something really difficult there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a level of humility and grace in how we interact with, mm-hmm. um, other translations yeah. that we may not prefer as much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think in, in general, like, I think we can, we can say like the translators all have the goal of communicating God's word to God's people mm-hmm. in a way that's helpful for them. You know, yeah, uh, that's, and so there's, we'll get into some of the philosophies and such, but, but they have a, a pretty difficult task. I mean, for a couple of reasons, if you, even if you just sim- simplify it down to, um, there's, like a language barrier that you're dealing with and a cultural barrier that you're dealing with. Even if you just think of those two pieces, uh, those are big hurdles to try to go from one language to another language. I mean, you experience this, you know, if, if I'm um, speaking with someone that doesn't speak English, you know, um, say they, they speak uh, Portuguese or uh, Spanish or German or whatever it is, and they don't speak any English, I don't speak any of their language, and we have a translator between us, you've probably had this experience. The person speaking, that's the orig- original language. Mm-hmm. They're now going to speak it over here. The translator is going to take the original language and put it into my language. That would be the receptor language. Mm-hmm. At times, you might have the translator stop and she says something like, oh, uh, there's not really a word for this. Yeah, right? yeah. And, yeah. Th- and then they just try to communicate the idea. But there's yeah. not actually a word, right? Yeah. So sometimes that happens. Like yeah. one language has a word for a certain topic and the other language doesn't. So what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or it could be a certain like um, idiom that they use. Yeah, like skin a cat. And all of a sudden you yeah. say that and someone from another culture <laughs> yeah. is like, uh, they're, like ah, they're running, what? they're taking off yeah. running. Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. So there's just, there's these types of things in there. So like, like you get into like uh, God is patient. Like that's the way we translate the idea and like say Jonah or some of the prophets, right? God, or you know, I think uh, in, the, in the law as well, just like God is patient. Yeah. Well, they would typically use a God is long nosed. Yeah. He, he has a long nose. Like, but if you wrote that in our English Bible, God, d- yeah. don't worry. God, God yeah, has a God long, has a long nose. nose. We'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> or like the idea of he has a strong, I think there's like also another idiom where his like arm is not short. The idea of yes. like he's, it's not yeah. crippled. Yeah. But like, if you say his arm's not short, you're like, what? like yeah. what's that all about? Yeah. So there's just these things. Uh, another way that the language can be difficult is uh, like there might be, the original language has five words to explain something. 
um, where the receptor language has one. For example, a well-known example would be love in the Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know all, f- I think it's five. So you got yeah, like, like agape, oh, phileo, yeah. um, I don't know all of them, but let's those say four the, or five. Those are the two that yeah. I know, yeah. Um, and they use them in, usually they use them to, to refer to specific ways or types of love that you would love something. But Isn't Eros another one too? Yeah. Like sexual love right, or yeah. something? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I threw your train of thought off. <laughs> uh, no, but, um, but, but in English, we have one word, right? And yeah. so, so I, you might say, I love the Packers. I love pizza. I love dogs. Love my wife. I love my wife. Yeah. Like in, in the English, if, if, if you said that to me, I know that there's a distinction. A I don't have to do any work. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's probably is more helpful if you had a different word for love for all those topics. Probably, right? Yeah. But we don't. Yeah. And so we just have different, we have different nuances that we, that we just, we assume into our interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. Other languages have different, actual different words to signify those nuances. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just, you know, as a translator, you're dealing with things like that. Uh, But then you also have uh, the fact, uh, another kind of language piece is that some things that translate it, say like word for word, it just, it might actually mean the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like when God says, I will never leave you, right? That's from Hebrews 13, 4, 4, 5, right? Um, it actually says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The Greek, it uses double negative. I will, I will not, never, not. Yeah. I, will I will never, never, never leave you. Yeah. So what would that mean in the English? I will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never will not. Yeah. 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 So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't use the double negative yeah. because it would mean a positive. Right. In English, it would in be a English, positive. But yeah. in Greek, they use double negatives. Not the second negative would not negate the first negative. Yes. And therefore, like, reverse it. Like, that's right. Like, we kind of, that's how, that's yes. how we read that in English. Yes. But in Greek, the double negative would just be an intensifier. Yeah, it, it's like, yes. I am very I'm not, or I will right. never, I will never ever, which yes. is how we might say it. Yes. And then when it says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, it uses a triple negative. Okay. So it, you could translate, I will never ever leave you. I will never ever ever. Yeah. For safety, yeah. whatever it is. But, you know, you just don't see that in the English translations. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something that gets, we, we might say, could be missed, depending on how you're going to translate that. Um, but you nobody's going to translate the exact negative negative in the English for the first one, because it would it would mean the opposite. So nonetheless, just to so show some of the issues of the actual language that can be uh, difficult. Yeah. Uh, the other part would be like, um, just the cultural barrier. There's certain things that happen that we just don't understand, whether it be kind of like we said, like idioms or just things that the, the culture did. That would have been obvious to them. Sense. Yes. But like we're just, we're just left in the dark a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, but that even, ha- well, the crazy thing about that is that happens like even in the States here. Like I could go down south mm-hmm. and there's things going on that I have no clue that even existed. I mean, a silly, simple example would be we, when we drove down, uh, we were driving down to Florida. Uh, this was like 2017 or something. Oh, I'd, I'd never seen these things. And all of a sudden I see the signs like popping up for boiled peanuts at grocery store or uh, gas stations. Do you ever see these? No, I've never really <laughs> right, spent see? a lot of time down south. Yeah. yeah. So they have boiled peanuts, right? And so I never knew. I just would see the sign. I would just think Why that's would you weird. you boil a peanut? I don't know. So we'd have to go down south and try them. So wait, wait. Finally, so they actually—it's not like a phrase for something else. It actually is a boiled peanut. It's not like a circus peanut, like a candy or something. Yeah, it yeah. actually is a boiled yeah, peanut. Yeah, you could buy them at. at well, that. So I didn't know at first at the okay. gro- at, at the gas station. I would see the sign "boiled peanuts," right? Okay. 
I would just think it's it's different, whatever, and I keep going. So then we showed up at a farmer's market down in Florida. Yeah. When we were there, and a guy was, lo and behold, selling boiled peanuts. Is this out like of, a scam or something? No. no. <laughs> and he's got, uh, what do you call those slow cookers, like a... Whatever, full of them. Uh, like a pot roast like or something? Like pots or crock like pot, yeah. Nesco's or whatever. But he's got them full. He's got spicy ones. He's got mild ones. Okay, and so they so, flavor them up and stuff. Yeah, and okay. they actually boil them. Interesting. And so then, so then I was like, wow, I've been seeing signs for this. Like, like you eat these? And the, he is an old, old, uh, older guy. Right? What else would he do with them? It is kind of like a, a tough dude. And he's wearing like sunglasses. He stops. He looks at me. He takes off his sunglasses. You've never heard of boiled peanuts? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So it's just like this, yeah. and then so then he gives me one, and I don't know what to do with it. So I was about to pop it in my mouth. He's like, "No, no." What do and you I do with it? I don't remember. What he, first, you're supposed to like suck the juice or something. And oh, okay. It, it, it was nonetheless just to point out. There's this even in, within yeah. the same language, just going you know driving south. I'm, I'm going to encounter things that are totally different. Or calling like. They call soda Coke or something like that. Like, yes, that might be yeah. another example where the, like, we're just dealing with some of those differences yes. at times. Yeah. 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 Or like, uh, you know, in the, the song of Solomon where he, he he's telling, uh, he says something like, your, your neck is like the Tower of David or you're, um, you're like the stallions of Pharaoh or something. Like, the, like it'd be like, like, how are you going to translate that? Like, yeah. tell like, you can, is that the pick next pickup line you're going to do? Or when yeah. you're trying to, your neck is like, your the, wife? is like wow. the BMO Harris, uh, yeah. building downtown. Yeah. Like, and you look like a horse today, honey. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not actually like attractive in our, like in our general culture. Oh, in thank general, you. Yeah. A, yeah. Like, you're calling me a horse. What? <laughs> but that was something as beautiful as yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a good, so Nonetheless, to say that, like, we're dealing with a lot of cultural things going on. Yeah. And a Bible translator has got to figure this out. How do I communicate to the receptor language yeah. in a way that's going to get the sense of them to ex- experience the beauty or mm-hmm. the meaning behind this text? Yeah. It's not easy. It's, it's tough work. It, there's a lot that goes into it. Even even folks who that, – that's kind of the summary, I think, of what you're saying yeah. is that there's a lot that goes into it. And even, like, a, someone who's, like, a first-year Greek student who's learning Greek or Hebrew – and they're starting to do translation. You can kind of get this idea of like, oh, it's pretty simple. And you just do yeah, this. Yeah. These translations yeah. are bad. But there's a whole yeah. bunch that led into like how you even got the Greek that's before you. Or, I mean, even just knowing um, that, that sometimes there's difficulties of with like what what, te- what text, what, what should the text be that you're mm-hmm. translating mm-hmm. or um, how you like even the meaning of some phrases or some phrases in, in the, even this last sermon I did in Ecclesiastes or there's a line or two sermons back, I think it was. But there was a line in there that was just like a lot of translations are just all over mm-hmm. the map with it because mm-hmm. it's just really tough. It's just a really difficult yeah. piece yep. of Hebrew. And mm-hmm. so there's – anyways, there's a whole host of difficulties. Um, yeah. And two things maybe I would add. You were yep. asking before, yeah, is there anything it. you'd add? And I thought of something like seconds after is, one, even though we are on the one hand saying – you know, we want to be appreciative of the different translations and like not be quick to judge, like just be like lash out mm-hmm. at something mm-hmm. that maybe not, maybe isn't our preference or we're not as familiar with. That's not to say that there aren't translations that are actually just straight up bad yeah, yep. or misleading or like one example would be, is it like the New World translation? I think the one that the Jehovah's Witnesses use mm-hmm. um, that's put out by the Watchtower. I may yeah. not be getting the name of that right, yeah. but but like that's a translation that actually reflects heretical um, mm-hmm. doctrine mm-hmm. by like actually conveying things incorrectly that fits their particular yeah. doctrinal agenda or right. there are translations that have quite liberal bents to them so it's not to say all translations are somehow 
they get a free pass from criticism. Correct, yes. But like the majority of these evangelical ones uh, is kind of what we have in view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even after you get the sense of, you know, we go through the material, that like we can still, even though we might not be able to read the Greek and Hebrew perfectly, you, you, you can still criticize certain things. Yeah, so, you oh, can still yeah, say, yeah. I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which we will do point. in our in our preaching occasionally. Like, yeah, yeah. this the translation because we use the ESV in our church. Yeah, and then it'll be times we say, I don't. The ESV is probably not the best here. Like, you might say what the NIV has is a little bit more helpful in this case or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But all in all, I think we should have a great appreciation for. Um, maybe we'll close with this is as we kind of wrap up some of these introductory things. Mm-hmm is a great appreciation for where we are coming from in the history of translation. Yeah. Just thinking about people like Wycliffe and mm-hmm. um, Tyndale and and even like people like Luther who helped mm-hmm. with the German yeah. translation. Yeah. There's a host of people behind us who have done great work to get us to the point yeah. where we now have access to such quality translations mm-hmm. today. Um, people who risked their lives, people who even died. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we have that we have good reason to be thankful for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's good, and uh, it it just popped in my head. Um, I know we're wrapping up here, but uh, go for it. And I, I, I actually, I'm just I'm trying to bring the thought forward. It's in the back of my brain. I'm trying to get it forward. I don't Lodge know. it forward. Yeah, um, like Massage the reformers. Massage I mean, it out. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> like the reformers, um, like the like Luther and Tyndale Mm, mm. like that was a a very core belief that God's people can understand God's word if it would be given it to them in their language Mm -hmm. and that was that really drove them that drove Tyndale um to live uh much of his I forget how many years it was like 14 or 13 of his last years in exile he he was not allowed in England he moved to Germany where he could where he could do translation work because he was so committed to the idea of getting God's people, God's word in their own language. Yeah, and it was, and it's not coincidental that the printing press yeah. and even yeah. Erasmus, um, who was a scholar at the time, putting together a Greek, yeah, um, uh, a, a text of the Greek. It was yeah. called like an eclectic text, putting mm-hmm. together like a Greek manuscript. Yeah. Like I think I that believe Tindale it was used the and Luther used. Yeah, it. I think Erasmus's text was a year before the. Before Luther like sort of struck the bell of yes. the Reformation, if I remember yeah. correctly, putting the ninety five theses up, and yeah. then the, and so I was going to say it was either fifteen fifteen or fifteen sixteen. Yeah, and the then the the printing press was yeah. you know a good while before that, yeah. but but it's not co- without coinc it's not coincidence. It's 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 uh, it makes a lot of sense that those things preceded the Reformation. The Reformation which was trying to get us back to scripture and back to a biblical underneath of salvation in particular of justification by faith alone. It's not um, coincidental that those things, that all of that occurred when you had the proliferation of scripture going into yeah. the hands of people and the reformer saying, we don't need to be afraid of giving scripture to people. Mm-hmm. Let's get mm-hmm. the scripture to people. Let's let them see the message for themselves. Yeah. And we stand on the shoulders of that tradition, mm-hmm. being able to have all the translations that we have today and building off the work of those, yeah. of those men. Yeah, that's good. All I right. look forward to getting into the material. Yeah. So next time we'll start getting into some of the diff- some of the things that make up the differences in translations, such as translation philosophy and textual differences. And we uh, we hope to have you join us then as well. All yeah, right. Great. Thanks. See you.